Praise the Lord, such a joy to uh, meet again in the middle of this year, and truly it's a privilege for us um, as a church and as individuals uh, passing through the second wave and the fear of an impending third wave and a lot of news is that's going around. We may have a loss of the little children in the next wave and no one expected that this wave would take so many people, a lot of news around, but we get a privilege to come together to meet in this manner to ponder on what God has to say. In every generation, whenever there's a crisis, and especially from the book that we stand on, the Bible, there's always a striking feature that we need to observe whenever there's a calamity. People got together to seek his face and things begin to change. And you, we can hear a lot of news, but if we don't get to know what is his news, then we miss the good news. And so um, I would like to dwell on a passage uh, today. And then uh, uh, I want to challenge us as a church, as, as individuals. And I pray that, uh, uh, that we will be able to catch the heart of God this season. I got a message telling my wife, uh, my voice is a little lower. Is it okay, Pastor, now? Yeah, is it okay? Yeah. You know, I tend to go a little louder, so I kept it a little on the softer side. I'll share the screen and we will uh, look into God's word and allow the spirit of God to minister to you and uh, uh, be open, be open beyond the phrases, the PPT slides, be open this season. And we, we are not going to pray that this season will come again. No, no, we don't want this season of pandemic. But when we're passing through, let us not forget the lessons that we learned. Somehow God ordained the book of Job to be the first book chronologically. And the book is about not how to escape the pain, but how to go through the pain. How to go through it. And I pray that even as we are going through, we will not miss what God has for us. And so... Uh, I've titled today's uh, word as the divine reversal. God rewrites a reversal plan for you and for me, for the church and for the world. Another title I thought of was the God of grand reversals. The enemy intends so many things. The enemy comes in with so many plans. We know the chief game plan of the enemy to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I hope you know where that verse is. John chapter 10, verse 10. No matter what medium and method the enemy uses, he's got this ultimate agenda to wipe out, to desecrate, to dissipate, and to destroy what God is at work in your life and in, our, in, our, in my life, in our life. And so uh, I'm taking the book of Esther. The book of Esther is a very strange book. And most of us know there's the absence of the presence of God, the name. But somewhere, if you can trace through the pages and the phrases, you will see the unseen footprints of God in a very unusual way. I'm going to make some allusions and some comparisons. But why the book of Esther? Two things. The book of Esther is talking about scattered Jews in 127 provinces. The date is 479 B.C. The people of Israel and Judah, northern and the southern kingdom, they're dispersed. And you have the only mention of India in that book. So this is the whole huge map of the Persian kingdom. 
Then you have this. These were the darkest days in the history of the Jews. The darkest days. And I'll tell you why. Why the darkest days? Because a single day was chosen to wipe out the entire race. A single day was chosen. Herod, I'm sorry, Hitler took, wiped out 6 million Jews in the concentration camps. But it went in for, for, for some years now. And you know that, that in the, in the 1940s. Now this Haman, I'm not trying to compare Hitler and Haman, but Haman hatched a plan to wipe out the people of God in a single day. And you can observe that in these pages. And how did God handle? What did God do? How can you see the hand of God? And so these were some of the darkest days in the Jewish history. And yet you find two things. Where is God? I purposely put the slide like this. I don't see him. Where is God? We are going to be wiped out in a single day. We are probably in the last pages of the Old Testament history. We, where are the giants? Where are the faith? Where are the prophets? Where are the temple? Where is worship there? Who's going to come and rescue us? Where is God? There's no mention of God in the book. Where is God? I don't even see him in the book of Esther. And they're going to be wiped out. An edict is going to be written. And whole race, when whole race is gone, there is no plan of salvation, mind you. There is no genealogies. Everything is going to be taken away. The plan of God is going to go in, in, in into all pieces, sithering out. And where is God? Whole race of the Jews is going to be wiped out. Point number two, where is God when bad things are happening? The famous question that most of you find books there. You find, you find philosophers trying to answer that. You find religious texts there. But where is God when bad things are happening? The book of Esther has got a strange way to communicate something to us. I want to talk about one of the natures of God, the characteristics of God. It's called the self-effacing nature of the Trinity. Don't worry about that word self-effacing. If at all you find our Indian women putting that mukkad in Tamil, they say mukkad, you put a veil, musuku in Telugu. I mean, you put a veil and come. It's quite common in our rural settings. And I want to tell you that God also puts a mukkad. God puts a veil. What is Ephes? Ephes means to show the, um, uh, Ephes means to remove the face. Self-effacing self means God himself is trying to cover his face. That's one of the natures of God. God is not drawn to being, showing himself off very spectacular. God resists being spectacular. I want to show three verses on that. That's one of the natures of God. Look at this verse, God the Father. Isaiah 45 verse 15, very strange verse. Truly you're a God who hides himself. The God, the Savior of Israel. John 3.16, if I were to write John 3.16, assuming that I, the role of God, for God so loved the world, he told his son, Beta, tum chota hai. You be there. What do you know? I will go. I will get everything done for you. I will work out the plan of salvation and I will come back. No, God so loved the world that he hid himself to send his son. Wow. 
Truly, you are a God who hides himself, yet is he's discreet. You won't know him. It's like the wind blows and you don't know where it comes and where it goes. God's footprints can be felt and seen right in the deepest ocean. Don't doubt God. That's the book of Esther. He's your savior. He, he knows how to work. He doesn't have to come blatant. He doesn't have a right, right five, six chariots and do that. If he wants, he can, but he chooses not to. And every time God had to deal with his people, he would bless, anoint, and fill a prophet with a stammering tongue and say, go and challenge. He would take a Moses and say, go and challenge Pharaoh. I will be with you. I don't ever come and, 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 and rip open myself and, and swap some ricks there. You are there. I know I take a weakling, but I hide behind you and I will work on your behalf. Look at the nature of God. Jesus Christ in one of the miracles in Mark chapter 1. A leper is healed, and in verse 43, he says, Jesus sent him away with a strong warning. You don't have that word very often in Jesus' ministry, but he wrote a very strong warning, put some stars and asterisks there and said, mind you, brother, I'm giving you a very strong warning. What, what's the warning? See that you don't tell anybody. Oh, my goodness. Today's Jesuses, which are not there in the Bible, would say, bring the Facebook and the camera, put it on live. I'll heal you, leper, right? Take some 10 pictures and get it glorifying. Look at this Jesus. Sometimes I wonder whether we are preaching a different Jesus who's not even there in the Bible. Verse 44, see that you don't tell anybody, but go show yourself to the priest. Offer sacrifices, what Moses commanded. Verse 45, this man instead opened a Facebook account, recorded a video and a conversation, a couple of clicks with Jesus, and started spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter the town openly but stayed outside in lonely places. My goodness. He desisted, resisted and said, no, no, I don't like this. Now let me be in the lonely places. Look at that. And then yet the people still came to him from everywhere. Jesus resisted being spectacular. He was not a showman. That is the, that's the feature of the triune God. If there's one place Jesus should have blown his trumpet, it is right after the resurrection. Why didn't Jesus take cues from the Bollywood? Why didn't he jump onto his chariots and go and smash Pilate and Herod and the chief priests and bigger, do a big procession and have some cheerleaders with him and say, behold, I'm come again. I'm dead. I'm alive. And this and that and the other. You don't see Jesus trying to do that. Yet you find him with the 12, taking a seven mile walk on road to Emmaus, trying to discuss with two people. Mind you, what, what are these two people? We don't even know properly their names, their backgrounds. Hey, Jesus, why don't you make yourself spectacular? He's a God. He's self-effacing. A genuine believer is not blowing the trumpet. If God has used you, God has blessed you, God has done, you will, you will look to go to the secret place and not to try to show off. Look at the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit of God. Much is mentioned about the third person. And most of it is ill in the church history. They got confused to know who the Holy Spirit of God is. They thought he was a noisemaker. Let's leave him outside the building. They got confused. The day he arrived, there was a confusion among the people. They made fun of him. But look at the ministry of the Holy Spirit of God. I have much more to say to you, Jesus said, but you cannot bear. Verse 13. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. Watch this. He will not speak of his own. He will speak only what he hears. The Spirit of God 
although he can speak on his own accord in his own will and volition his ministry is he takes from jesus words and comes he will tell you what is yet to come verse 14 he will bring glory to me by taking what is mine and making known to you he doesn't show off he doesn't brag about anything he waits look at the spirit of god picture that he waits for jesus to speak and he takes the words of jesus and comes and lets it known to you look at the way he hides himself he says attributes the word to the lord jesus christ he doesn't push away he 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 amalgamates his office into the office of the lord jesus christ self effacing nature of the triune god it's so easy for the spirit of god to come and say whatever he wants it's so easy for the spirit of god to raise up another people and say write what i said jesus is finished his chapter is over i've come in my dispensation i will write no that's not the holy spirit of god he works in submission that is the secret of the trinity they exercise power and yet they are submissive that is called meekness meekness means the power to be gentle the power to restrain that is meekness jesus said i am gentle and meek i have the power but i will not use my power but i know how to restrain my power so that that power will be used for constructive purposes And so when you look at the book of Esther there is the there is the hand of God there's the traces of God there is the move and the fragrance of God but yet it is so discreet Anyone who loves Jesus anyone who loves the triune God will somehow emulate this nature of not trying to be too 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 gaudy but that self effacing somewhere down the church history of India we we missed out on on that head covering and look at that women who come and they cover their head yes it shows a sign of submission we can talk we can talk both sides and polarize the whole issue but one feature that stands out is even god is self effacing but yet he knows how to act in power i pray that as you hear the word today i want to i want to share this word as if it's for the nation as if it for our times that god is the one who will orchestrate a grand reversal so discreetly yet his name will be known and yet he will receive all the glory and the honor let's start off with this man called haman the agagite haman is a picture of the enemy alludes to the enemy enemy's plan to wipe out haman has got a written mandate i want to call him haman the virus it's a haman virus virus of death virus that wants to close down the purposes of god's people virus that wants to close down the purpose of god in your life in your marriage in your health in your destiny i pray that we as a church will rise up to looking at what god wants to do in our lives most of us have come into the city because some company has called you got an offer letter you got a good job super no problem with that but there's a higher calling that you need to recognize that is written over your life do not miss what god has written over you you get an offer letter that is written from the company you get policies that are written from the company but i'm challenging you right in the midst of the pandemic think about what god has written about you the enemy has got a written plan and what was the enemy's plan let's get into it the enemy haman the agagite was so baffled disturbed humbled humiliated because a man was not giving him honor and he went to the king because mordecai was a jew and he was not willing to bow down and give him 
that honor. So he hatches this plan. Esther chapter 3 verse 8. Then Haman approached King Xerxes and said, There is a certain race of people scattered throughout all the provinces. Their laws are different from those of any other nation. They refuse to obey even the laws of the king. So it is not in the king's interest to let them live. If it pleases, issue a decree that they be destroyed. And I will give you 3,75,000 kilos of silver to the government. I'll make you rich. Somewhere the spirit of mammon is behind killing God's people. Look at what was the devil's tool to remove Jesus Christ. It was silver. <laughs> Very strangely, you have silver there here again. <laughs> the spirit of mammon trying to get in. That's not the topic today, but I just wanted to make a comparison there. If it pleases, write, write, write a destruction plan. Write a plan that will evict the people of God. Write a plan that their purposes, their destiny, their future, their calling of a nation and national deliverance program will be wiped out. Haman is trying to hide. This is the evil intent. The enemy is behind us. Whether we like it or not, the day you became a Christian, you are a warrior. The day you became a Christian, you got to wear the weapons of war and get out into it. There is no complacency in following Jesus Christ. This is the time to wake up. We've seen a deadly virus outside. Another friend of mine called and said, until it hit my own family, I did not know the seriousness of the virus. And I want to tell you, you don't have to wait for the virus to hit your family. We don't have to wait for yet another wave to get a wake-up call of God. This is the time to get all our spiritual affections and receptors and hang on to God and say, what are you trying to do, God? Realign, revive, change, mold me. The enemy is up to destructive land. The more complacent we are, he knows how, how to be proactive with him and trying to take that plan forward and destroy. Let's go down. I want you to observe that word written, written. On April 17th, Haman called king's secretaries and dictated the letter. The governors of respective provinces, the local officials, all in their own script and languages. These letters were signed and sealed with his ring. Haman had authority, but for destruction. Haman had the power, but to destroy. He had a corrupt, conniving mind somehow to plan against the people of God. These are the days to know that if there's a virus can destroy people, there are more than 400 pastors who have lost their lives just in two months. That's one of the SMSs that I received. Many men of God, it takes, according to the calculation, limited calculation I know, it takes close to seven to 10 years to get a church going. Can we get 400 replacements now? Can we have 400 pastors? When will we get that? Can we have people to pioneer and preach the gospel? Will you answer the call of God? The enemy is up to a destructive plan. He's got a master plan. Wake up on what the enemy has to do. May God uncover the schemes and plans of the enemy. And we need to rise up. And this book has got some lessons to teach us. Haman is dictating a letter. Because what is written is established. What is said may not hold much water. But when it is written... No wonder God gave us a written book. He will not go against the written. That is the boundary of God. 
The workings of God have a limitation. Those limitations are his own boundary. Therefore, we are called to align ourselves to his word. Let's get back here. Haman wrote a letter, sealed it. He used his authority and ring. We're going to come to that in a while. Sent the letters. And what was the letter about? The letters were written and decreed that all Jews, young, old, including women and children, must be killed, slaughtered, and annihilated on a single day, which day, the day was scheduled for March 7th, 473 BC. My goodness, the dangerous day ever you can see in the pages of the scripture is this day. And one day the people of God are going to be wiped out. How did God act? What was the plan of deliverance? Where do you see? You don't even see God in the book, but did God act? Lord, all these things are happening day after day, day after day, day after day. We're hearing the news. But where are you, Lord? I hope we will not miss God just because there's no print in the scripture, the printed scripture that we have. Let's go down. A royal decree written cannot be repealed. It can only be rewritten to reverse it. I want to tell you in the name of Jesus, for everyone who's sharing, we have a God who can rewrite a new destiny. We have a God who can rewrite all the old is gone. In Jesus Christ, there's something new. Whatever the locust has eaten, there's only one God who can give it back. That is Jesus himself. We have a God who rewrites grand reversals. The enemy could have written something about you. The enemy could have planned something evil about you. But I want to tell you in the name of Jesus, yes, the days are painful, but don't miss the God of grand reversals. This book tells us that even though the enemy has planned politically with all corrupt power, there is a God in the midst of all this. He rewrites a plan for you. Hang on to God. Hold on to God. Never miss what God is going to write about you. There is there's something exciting in the midst of pain. Jesus said, yes, trials and temptations will come. Troubles will come. But think about the pregnant woman. I think it is John chapter 12. He says, yes, there is childbirth and pain that accompanies with it. But through the pain comes a joy that is unspeakable. That's the dealings of God. No wonder James advanced the whole process and said, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you go through these trials, because these trials are for maturity. These tri trials are for us to conform to the image of Christ. These trials unlock certain things in our own lives so that God's purposes will propel. Don't run away. Paul knew right in the prison, uh, rejoice in the Lord. Always I say rejoice because the joy of the Lord will do something to you. So we need a perspective perspective when there is pain outside. And I want to tell you, God knows how to write. You, you, you can see that his finger is absent. You can see that his DTP and the press is not there, but there is the way of God that we need to recognize that, that God is rewriting something glorious in the midst of pain. God of great reversals. One prelude to divine reversal is what caught my heart and what is catching many leaders' heart and what is catching the church's heart. One prelude. I hope you'll not miss this prelude. Every time God wants to enact certain things on the earth, there's always a prelude. Watch this. Esther chapter 4. You've heard a lot of messages on that. And I'm calling the church back to Esther chapter 4. 
in your individual private rooms and collectively, nationally, state-wise. This is what we need before God can script a grand reversal. When Mordecai learned all that he had done, he did not get on to the national media. He did not make memes. He did not go and make some caricatures and, and try to get on to some, some, some channels and try to get on to debates. No, that is not up to us. There are people who are trying to do that in this season. Let them do. But there's a call for the church of the living God. When Mordecai learned all this, he tore his clothes, put on sackcloth. Let me invite you. We all jump about the mantle of Elijah. But the mantle of Elijah came because of the sackcloth. Because she knew how to bow down. Because she knew how to get on to that secret place. Before you jump on to the double portion of Elijah. And we want this and that and the other blessing. The church has to know how to wear the sackcloth rather than rope. These are not the days to wear those fancy robes and walk around. These are the days to clothe ourselves in sackcloth and prayer. The sackcloth and prayer alludes to humility. Coming to our knees. Knowing how to weep and cry. Have you ever cried in prayer? I'm asking you. Have you ever wept profusely in the closet of prayer? Has your heart been broken? These are the days when people are crying because there's a dead body and a corpse. Nobody take the body around. Yes, there is so much of pain on the outside. I'm trying to invite the church and saying, can you break yourself on the inside? Because of the spiritual destruction that the people are going to go through. We weep over the physical death, but can we break our hearts over the spiritual death? There's going to be eternity in darkness and gloom forever for them. May God turn these things around so that we, our hearts will be broken. What did Mordecai do? Mordecai is a picture of the church. Mordecai is a picture of somebody who's got a divine assignment. Mordecai and Esther work in combination. Today's Mother's Day. I pray that all the mothers will be blessed and get the spirit of Esther to rise up in the closet of intercession. Something God will do. A strategy. Women are, are a people of strategy. They have some way a divine, divine receptivity to understand the things of the spirit. No wonder Jesus somehow revealed that he's going to be rising again. And a woman stood there to take the news. They understand things. Mary knew in advance that Jesus is going to be crucified. There is no day that there's going to be a, a day for anointing. Saturday is Sabbath. Even though you prepare spices, you cannot anoint him. She had that receptivity to know that Jesus had to be anointed in advance. Wailing and weeping bitterly, verse 1. But he went... Only far as king, because, okay, that's, that's, that's history. There was three in every province to which the edict and order of the king came. There was great mourning of the Jews with fasting and weeping and wailing and many lay in sackcloth and ashes. Can I challenge you? We may not get a pandemic again. I'm praying that it will never come. But when pandemic hit, what was our response? Don't wait for these days to become history, but it's going to be said. What will our children talk about? How did mommy and daddy brave the pandemic? How did AG AG brave the pandemic? How did we, we go through? How did this generation go through? I serve as, as a leader in our district. There are 1,500 churches. Young people are calling. How they, 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 they want to listen. How we navigate and maneuver ourselves through this pandemic. And I want to tell you, this is the way first. 
The prelude is sackcloth and ashes. The prelude is weeping and crying. The prelude is somewhere our hearts need to be broken with prayer. I'm praying that my prayer vocabulary will change. I've been praying many days. God, I don't want to pray the same way. Teach me. Do whatever you can. I don't want that old way of things. Show me. Break me. Disciple me. Discipline me. Rebuke me. So that let me graduate from all the stammerings and little things about me and myself. Lord, give me grace to hold a nation in my heart. Let's not weep only when there's a physical death. Yes, it is good. It's our duty. And yes, as Christians, we weep with those who are weeping. But I pray that we will weep because their blind eyes. The God of this age has blinded the minds of them that believe not. Carry the nation. Carry the city. Carry enough of talking the dark side of the news. Let there be a spiritual burden that will become a prelude for a grand reversal in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. May God do something in our lives. May God strengthen us. Revival came in the book of Joel. Three times there was fasting and prayer. And then after that, I will pour out my spirit in, on all flesh and, and there'll be visions and dreams. and this. Yet there's going to be those days of revival. The prelude has always been prayer. I got an unusual prophecy, MP3 from another pastor friend. It's about a Nagaland the person who, who had their prayer meeting and one of these days, probably two weeks ago or something, and, and the Lord began to show him waves, first wave, second wave, third wave, and the third wave was too, too huge, he says in that, in that uh, prophetic word. We don't have to wait for third wave to hit us. And say we are losing children. Right now the message is I lost my aunt. I lost my father. I lost my mother. I lost my this. I lost my that. Yes, we also said that. But we don't have to wait to hear that our children are dying. Our youth are dying. We lost 400 plus pastors. We don't have to wait for another generation. Because we did not seek God at the right time. This is a wake up call for us. These days will get over. But how we handle these days are going to be footprints and landmarks. And signposts for the next generation. This is the time to make a difference. And I pray that we will do things differently. God will strike us more. There will be such encounters with God right in our homes these days. That's what Mordecai did. And the moment Mordecai did this, it was so contagious that Esther started doing this. Esther was in a very, very, I mean, palatial place. She was in the palace. Although it was a lockdown for her, she, she had all the luxuries. She had safe and secure place. But this man was on the street. She was housed in a, in a fantastic, gorgeous building. And after she got to know the intensity of the issue, verse 16, go gather together all the Jews. Yeah, make it, a, make it national. Fast for me. Do not drink three days and three nights. I and Martinus will fast. When this is done, I will go to the king. Fasting, fasting is a prelude. Prayer is a prelude for grand reversal. One thing about prayer that I realized, prayer is something that you can send to the future. It will go and wait for you. It will go and wait at the right time. 
at the right time. Prophecies and prayers will go and wait at the right time. My dear people of God, send in your prayers for the future. Send in your prayer for the next generation. Send in your prayer for the children. Send in your prayer for your own destiny, for the church, for the land. Send in your prayers. Let it go in advance for us and let it make a way so that God's glory will come. It is not for no reason that Anna, the prophetess, was waiting in the temple and praying and praying for the consolation of Israel. And Jesus was the answer. The saints and the prophets cried out for the deliverance and saying, Hosanna. We sang that song today. Many hearts are turning, but the prelude was in prayer. Let's understand the mystery of God. See, there are two things about God. One is God's grace is for everyone, unilateral. But there are certain things that come as reward from God. Those who diligently seek him, he rewards. That reward is not for everybody. Grace is for everybody. But if at all you want to go to that place where he rewards you, there needs to be faith and the price to be paid. May God find you faithful. May God grace you. May the heavens be open over you. May the ladder of Jacob descend. May you know that there's a connectivity between heaven and earth. May you know that the place that you are is the presence of God. May God begin to open some unusual doors. Why not the power of the Holy Ghost come upon you in an unusual manner? That this generation we are in, we will, be, we will be schooled in the Holy Ghost to understand the ways of God. How many more reports to listen? How many more WhatsApp messages? That document, this channel, we spend a couple of hours every day. Why don't you translate that into news from heaven? God, you know what you're doing. He's still on the throne. He knows his dictates. He knows his decrees. May God wake us up. Wake me up to pray like never before. Right after the days of fasting, God gave a strategy to Esther. Sometimes we miss that. After the period of fasting, the strategy was God gave the strategy to Esther telling, call them for a feast. Uh-huh, fasting and feasting. There are times we got to fast. There are times in the feast, God can work things around. And right after fasting, the, the way it was, Call them for a feast and you know what happened there. Let me not advance myself coming here to this place. By the meantime, the enemy is trying to build a 75 feet gallows, Haman. Trying to kill Mordecai. Personal revenge is so deeply offended. And he wants to carry out his evil plan. I want you to watch this very, very carefully. Very carefully. The king in the book of Esther alludes to God himself. Compares. You can compare him to, to God. The working of God. How God can use a man, Gentile. And how he's, he's able to move himself through that man. He is God. His ways no one can understand. No one can fathom how he works. But yet you have a small allusion to how God is working in that book through this king. Now watch this carefully, dear friends. Calling together his friends, Haman and his wife, Zeris. Haman boasted about all his vast wealth, his sons and how king has honored him and all that. Verse 12, he begins to say that Esther has invited him for a feast, for a banquet. And she had invited me along with the king tomorrow. My goodness. So there is a three-member meeting that's going to happen. And Haman is boasting about tomorrow. So have in mind the word tomorrow, 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 there's going to be 
the feast. Tomorrow I'm going to meet the king. Tomorrow I'm going to be in that place and, and having a glorious time. My honor, my status quo, my dignity is going to be upheld. I'm going to be in the who's who. I'm going to be reported as a national news. And I'm the, I'm the one. I'm the one. Is Haman. What's the next slide here? Zerus, his wife, and all the friends said to him, have a gallows built 75 feet high and ask the king in the morning. That's tomorrow morning. Tomorrow. Not today. Tomorrow. I'm emphasizing that. And ask the king in the morning and have Mordecai hanged on it. Yeah. Begin your wicked scheme from tomorrow. Tomorrow, inaugurate by killing the captain. Yeah. Let the plan that you devised set the ball rolling with Mordecai's death. Oh, fine. That's tomorrow in the morning. In the morning. Everything plan is set. All is set. For Haman to execute the evil plan in the morning, not, not, not many hours there. At that moment, in one day, God required just 24 hours to change the fate of a nation. The face of a nation, the future of a nation, the destiny of a nation. 24 hours. If God can do a couple of thousand years ago, 3,000 years ago, suppose. Can't God do now? God requires 24 nations or 24 hours. Our prime minister said, Mahabharat battle was won in 18 days. We will win the battle in 21 days. And I want to propose to you from God's word. Here it is 24 hours in the book of Esther. If need be, God can just take 24 minutes or 2.4 seconds or milliseconds. He is God. Period. He is God in your life. He is God right in the deathbed. He is God between the neck and the knife. He is God when the breath is gone. He is God. That's our trust. And I want to show you just in one day. What are the things that happened? One day to rewrite. I don't know how many years Haman took. I don't know how many years his deceptive plan was cooking. In his evil heart. But for God it just took one night. One night. Esther 6, 1 is a defining verse in this book. That night, king could not sleep. Uh -huh. Because tomorrow, there's a banquet. Tomorrow, Mordecai is going to die. Tomorrow, the evil plan is going to come to pass. But that night, uh -huh, that night, the king did not sleep. Before I get into this, this passage, I want to tell you some of the greatest deliverances of God were wrought in the midnight. I don't know why it is, but the grand exodus, which came about after 430 years, the exodus came in the midnight. Can I show you that scripture there in Exodus chapter 12? If you have your Bible, just turn to it. Exodus 12, please. Exodus 12, 31. During the night, Pharaoh summoned Aaron and said, or oh, verse 29, that'll be good. At midnight, the Lord struck down all the, at midnight. He could have done it any other day, any other time of the day, but at midnight, because something is going to happen tomorrow. God planned the grand exodus out of Egypt 
to break the yoke of slavery, to break the yoke of Pharaoh and all his plans and, and all his deceptions and all his hard-heartedness in the midnight. Can I tell you, right in the middle of the night, God is scripting a new script for your life, for our life, for our nation. Do you have the faith to believe? Verse 31, at midnight, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron. Let the people go. Verse 40, please. Now the length of the time of Israelites, Israelite people lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of 430 years, to the very day, all the Lord's divisions left Egypt. Verse 42, because the Lord kept vigil that night to bring them out of Egypt. On that night, all Israelites are to keep vigil to honor the Lord. You see that? That night, night, one night enough. For 430 years, compare that. 430 years versus one night. It just took one night for God to close down a dynasty's oppression over the people of God. I think about Jesus Christ. It was, it was the darkest night when he was crucified. But right when he was crucified, there was a victory story being written because his death set us free. His death gave us life. His blood cleansed us. It is not a gloomy day. We call it Good Friday because that painful night when the sun covered its face and darkness came over the land, God was creeping a victory. Acts chapter 16 Paul and Silas were midnight in the prison, crying out. Somewhere in the midnights of life, God is scripting a victory for you. Are you downcasted? Are you in pain? My family, what to do? My job, what to do? My wife, what to do? What to do about this virus? What to, I want to tell you in the name of Jesus, in the midnights of life, God knows how to win the victory. Right in the midnight when Peter was in the prison, Bible says in midnight, the night before Herod wanted to execute him uh, at the midnight, angel of the Lord came. Are you in the midnight of your life? Our country surely is in the midnights. We've never seen like this before. We've never heard 4,000, close to 4,000 deaths every day. Sometimes we become blind in the midnight. And therefore, Jesus' message in, the, in Matthew 24, 25, 26, watch out, watch out, watch out, watch out. Wake up. I am working. Wake up. Wake up, get back to me, wake up. At midnight, Matthew 25, if I'm, if I'm not wrong, at midnight, the bridegroom came. Watch out, church, at midnight. This is the time to wake up and wait and to see God like never, never, never before. It is now or never. If there's something that should impact my spiritual life, it is now. If at all I need to progress, it is now. If at all I need an awakening, it is now in midnights of life. God is able to orchestrate something new. The king could not sleep. Ha, that's the time to sleep. But something unusual happened to the king. The king, the, the maker of Israel, the guardian of Israel, the creator of Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Don't you think God is watching? Sometimes our prayers have become statistics. Lord, 4 million people. Lord, 3,000 people. Lord, 20,000 people. As if God does not know. There is something superior to our God. He knows it. Yet he's self-effacing, but he does not cease to work. That is our God. Proof is the book of Esther. When everyone was sleeping, king did not sleep. He said, open the books. If you have your Bible, Exodus, I mean, Esther chapter 6, please. 
That night the king could not sleep. Enough. That rewrites the story of the book of Esther. So the king said, I'm not getting sleep. Open the books. Open what is written. I want to check what is written. And he found out that. Verse 2. Did I, did I put that? Okay. Okay. Let me, let me go through this and go to the other slide. It was found recorded there that Mordecai had exposed Bigtana and Teresh. The two king's officers who guarded the doorway, who conspired to assassinate King Xerxes. Something was written long ago, but the reward was not given. Something that should have been lost in the annals was brought back again. The king reminded himself. Something that was supposed to be gone, filed somewhere. The king said, no, read that to me, read that to me. You see how God works? You thought it is over. You thought it is gone. I will be a watchman rest of my life at the gate. Yes, once upon a time I helped the king, but I did not get any reward. I want to tell you, God knows how to rewrite. The king does not sleep. The king begins to call and say, what did you do for Mordecai? Nothing was done. Right in the night, who's there in the palace? He calls the attendants and attendants say, Mordecai is there. What did God say? I mean, what did king say to Mordecai? Or uh, Haman? Sorry, Haman there. In the morning, the king said, honor Mordecai. Can you see the change of verdict? Zeresh says, tomorrow hang Mordecai. And the king rewrites, tomorrow honor Mordecai. This itself is a grand proof how God can take one midnight and turn it about. Out there, Zeresh and, and the family, they all have decorated that 75-foot Gallows, premeditating a lot of things, expecting a grand celebration, having another feast there. But one night God changes the story. We have a God of grand reversals, yet outside it is glee. But I want to tell you in faith, God will work for us. Honor him. Look at the enemy's plan. I want to hang him, but there's a rewritten Decree, honor him. Same day, same day. In 24 hours, the whole story changes. The same day, Haman is hanged. Calling to the feast. Shall we go to Esther chapter 7 verse 10? Verse 7, chapter 7, verses 1 and 2, Esther calls back again for a feast. When coming, verse 6, Esther said, an adversary and an enemy, the vile Haman. Haman is terrified. The king got up, goes to the garden, but Haman is trying to fall on the couch where Esther is seated. This was derogatory. I mean, nothing was there in that much. But you see how the Lord exposed the enemy. If there's one prayer that you and I need to pray this season is God expose the plan of the enemy. Expose the plan of the enemy. 
You can see that in subtle ways, but pray over your life, pray over your life, pray over your family, expose the plan of the enemy. And once the king of kings gets to know that he will act, you don't have to do that. This is the beauty of God. You got to know how to hold on to him and he will give you the way out. Look at that in verses uh, Verses 8 onwards, please. As soon as the word, of the, the word left the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. Harbona, one of the eunuchs attending the king, said, A pole reaching to a height of 50 cubits stands by Haman's house. He had it set up for Mordecai, who spoke up and helped the king. Can I tell you something? You don't have to fight to get a verdict from people. The opinions of men that we run after is fit for trash can. If God can speak for you, that's enough. If only we have a verdict from God, I want to tell you, God is fighting for us. God is speaking on our behalf. We might be a small percentage in this nation, but I tell you, can, if only we can raise a cry unto God, he knows how to speak. He's our spokesman. Enemy's plan is exposed there. One of the eunuchs comes out and, and reveals the plan. And look at the king said, impale him on it. Finished. One line. One line. One line. Aha. How do you handle Haman? Three words. Impale him on it. There are four words there. That's all. Job is done. A sword came from his mouth. The Bible says he dashes the nations as piece of pottery from the words that come from his mouth. Once the king speaks, it's done. He's the one who's scripting a grand reversal for us. Let's go down. The same day, the same day. This is chapter 8. An order was written to overrule the plot of Haman. Mordecai gets the privilege to dictate the decree of deliverance. Wow. Just the same day. It's in 24 hours. The headlines are changed. Mordecai gets the privilege to dictate the deliverance for the people of the Jews. I'm making a tangent here to bring a challenge for all of us as we slowly come down and close the message and, and pray. Mordecai wrote in the name of King Xerxes. And seal the message with king's signet ring. And I want to underline certain features of the signet ring. And try to bring an allusion to the church of the living God. He sent letters by swift messengers who rode horses. Especially bred for king's services. Mordecai wrote. God has given us the grace. God has given us the tongue. God has given us the prayer. God has appointed us as his agents on this kingdom. And what we say, what we pray, what we do this season will impact. That's why Christ empowered the church. But you will receive power when the Holy Ghost comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria and uttermost parts of the earth. God has called our church, AG, AG, right in this region. We are the highest affected districts in India. But our calling is to be a signet ring. 
I want to tell you in the name of Jesus, whoever is listening to me, your calling is to be a signet ring. You are chosen, appointed for a, such a time as this. You are not born a hundred years before. And God did not plan us to be a hundred years after this season. We never expected a virus. Yes, you can have a little bit of clips here and there and telling, no, somebody said this, somebody, no, no, no. But God knew our time frame and our timeline. Just like in the darkest days, there was a Mordecai and Esther. God is calling us to wear that signet ring. What does signet ring mean? Three things, authority, authenticity, and ownership. We act on behalf of the king. We pray and stand in the gap on behalf of the king. We speak on behalf of the king. We preach on behalf of the king. We go as agents into our professional places on behalf of the king. We don't work for their money. We don't work for their agenda. We don't work for their purposes. We know it is infected with the Haman virus outside. We need somebody to wear the signet ring and move forward in the name of Jesus. What you pray right now is crucial. What you do right now is crucial. How you, how you stand in the gap and intercede and, and, and stand for the deliverance of the people of God is crucial. Thinking about signatoring, another man came to my mind. His name is Jerubabel. Jerubabel, not much we have heard. We, we, we see it in the passing, but there are two verses that are so, so, so pertinent when it comes to Jerubabel. One is from the book of Zechariah and other is from Haggai. Let me highlight this. Zechariah. Chapter 4, verse 6, we all are familiar with it. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Zerubbabel was a governor of Judah. They had just come out of an exile. Their remnant, small people group, 70 years crushed in Babylonian Empire. Nothing much is left weak. All that was left was a few number of people came to Jerusalem back to their motherland. 16 years, the temple was not built. Too much of internal conflicts and prejudices and, 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 and all kind of waywardness. And God looks at this governor and gets a prophetic word to him. Hey, Zerubbabel. Human opposition, human power will not stop you. And Zerubbabel is a very, very important character because he carries the lineage of David. Sheltiel, his father, Zerubbabel, all come in the lineage of Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 1 and Luke chapter 3. He's a very important character. And the Lord begins to prophetically speak to him, you carry the blood of David. You come from the lineage of monarch, the David. I've got the purposes to keep one of them on the seat. Zerubbabel, arise. Don't fear human opposition. Don't fear personal limitations. Zerubbabel, it's not by power. It's not by might. It's by the spirit of the Lord. And God gives a strange vision to Zechariah. Let me try to get, okay, I don't have this here at all. What is the vision? I hope you're getting here. Seven golden lampstand and you have seven tubes and these seven tubes are connected to a huge vessel and these vessels have or this vessel has two pipes and these pipes are connected to olive trees olive tree olive oil and this is the seven pipes 
replenishing the fire. Not by might, not by, but by my spirit. Here is where you have the oil. As the power of the Holy Spirit, sevenfold spirit replenishing the lamps so that the lamps will burn. As wise virgins, can I call our church to be replenished with the oil of the Holy Ghost? Not losing the fire. Not looking at the powers. Not looking at the outside news. But to be replenished on the inside so that the light of God will emanate. And spread. These are the days for greater filling of the Holy Ghost. These are the days to get into the dimension of the Spirit of God. These are the days God should baptize in that liquid fire. Do something in our lives. Zerubbabel, what is signet ring? I will make you my signet ring for I've chosen you. You might be weak on the outside, but I want to tell you in the name of Jesus, God has chosen you. God has said, you are my instrument. You will have the unlimited resource of the Holy Ghost. You have my authority to accomplish what I've written concerning you. You will not die until God chooses the day of your life if you have yielded yourself to him. To everybody listening today, I want to tell you, be conscious and cognizant of what God has written over your life. The company can have their loss. Man can have their own dictates. People can tell so many things about you. You have felt rejected. People have said so much of ill. Throw that into the junk for the season and get cognizant of what God has written over you. Zerubbabel, arise. Have I not chosen you and made you a signet ring? You will accomplish my purpose, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. This adulterous woman had a story rewritten. The only time Jesus stooped down to write on the ground, we don't know what he wrote, but I like that word stoop down. God stoops down for his people. Oh, God stoops down for his people. I'm thinking about Moses' encounter at Horeb. I've heard the cry. I've heard the misery. And I have come down. Come down. Stoop down. Come down to rewrite. Jesus stooped down and started to write on the ground with his finger. The finger of God is all over you, child of God. You will not die. I don't know what people have written about you. You are an adulterous woman. You slept with that man. You are a vain, conceited, strange woman. All your life, you're going to have that verdict. People are taking their stones to throw. That was the last day of her life. Very soon, she's going to be stoned like probably and be buried there. But there was one man who wrote her. A new story. God of grand reversals. I know what people have talked about. I know what fear has gripped you today. But I want to tell you finger of God. Finger of God. Finger of God. Jesus said if I can drive out these demons by the finger. Finger of God. Oh my goodness. I like this verse very much. Psalm 47 and 8. A prophetic words about Jesus, but David wrote that here I am, I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. Can I ask you, what is written about you 
you? What is written about Sunni Prasad in the scroll? Can I align myself to do his will? Is his law in my heart? Or am I quaking with all the news outside? Yes, there is that fear that shakes us. But can we elevate ourselves to his plan and say, God, you have something written about me in the scroll. And I want to fulfill your purpose before my head hits the grave. It is written about me. It's not the writing of Haman. It's not the writing of, of the evil. It's not the writing of the pandemic. It's the written hand of God over your life. I put down three things as we close in prayer. I'll hand it over to Pastor Prem. In the moments of darkest night, fix your eyes on the king. Mordecai begging to Esther, go to the king, go to the king, go to the king. Can you see the illusion of God there? Go to the king of kings. Pray and fast and go. I'll approach the king. If the king wants to wipe me out, so be it. But I want the king. I want the scepter to be stretched. One night with the king, I will pray and go. Fix your eyes on the king. Second. Fear God about the virus. Fear God. Pandemic is coming. Lockdown has come. Third wave is impending. That virus is problem. The vaccine is faulty. We have heard it. What will happen? What will happen? What will happen? We've heard it. It is true. Yes, it's being printed all over. But can I invite you to say, I fear the king. Nothing will happen in my life till he legislizes it, till he establishes it, till he decrees it, till he writes it. He has written his life on me, his plan on me. I have a plan for you, says the Lord. God's plan supersedes any vile plan of man. Yield yourself, give yourself, surrender yourself, get to a dimension of faith that you've never been before. Don't be a quasi-Christian sitting on the roof. Get on the heat of your faith. Build yourself in the most holy faith. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Ask God for moments with him. Graduate from the baby prayer days and get on to seeking God like never before. Fear the king about the virus. Focus on your higher calling. Some jobs will be lost, but there's a higher calling. Some prizes we will pay, but there's a higher calling. Some people we will bury, but there's a higher calling. The church has not stopped preaching. The church will never lose out of its gospel work. There is still room. The harvest is still plentiful. We need pastors, evangelists, prophets. We need those who can carry the good news. Yes, we have buried some men of God, but I'm challenging you. Can you be the one to raise up for the call? Can you be the one to take that higher calling for which Christ has paid the price? God is on our side. He has never lost a battle. And you are a soldier. Focus on the higher calling. Focus on the higher calling. You are the chosen one. The signet ring of God is on you. You are the royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. The blood of Jesus was spilled for you. Your limitations, no problem. 
Paul said, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom. When I came to the Corinthian church, he says, I came with fear and trembling. But one thing that redefined my ministry was a distinguishing mark in my ministry is the power of the Holy Ghost. We are a Pentecostal church. We got to move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The other day I was broken and I said, what's wrong with me? Why? What's wrong with the spiritual gifts? What's wrong with my Christian life? Lord, lead me to another dimension I've never known. May God give us the grace. May God give us the grace. Today, let it be said and known to all who are listening. We have a God who's scripting a grand reversal. We have a God who's working on our behalf. He's watching. Might take one night, but our God is watching. Our God is with us. Praise the Lord. Let's all close our eyes and look to Jesus right now.